The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Alliance podcast. We are the Rebel Alliance Media, and in Garage Mahal, with you once again, you have Pootie and P. Nate. How you doing, man? Doing great. That's good. I'm, That's good. I'm living the dream, as they say, so to speak. <laughs> living the dream. I had, a, I had a friend who used to say, better than I deserve. How you doing? I'm better than I deserve. And I'm trying to adopt that, but I don't want to do it callously. I want to do it like properly. Like, like actually I, feel it. I actually, actually feel, feel better it. than I deserve because nice. I don't deserve to feel good, but I do because I'm happy. Well, you got Pudi and P. Nate uh, here in Garage Mahal uh, coming to you with another podcast. Um, for those of you who have been with us since the beginning, thanks so much for returning. For those of you who are new to the Rebel Alliance, uh, why don't you uh, find out more about us at rebelalliancemedia.com. Find us on Facebook. Uh, and interact with us there. Start liking the page. That's where the videos and a reminder of the new podcasts drop is where we interact with our fans. Send us a message. We'd love to hear where you're from. It's been fun interacting with people from, from Belgium, uh, from Amsterdam, uh, from the States, from Australia. Uh, it's been really, really cool kind of hearing from people all over the place and, uh, and interacting with uh, the Facebook people. So uh, drop us a line. We love hearing from you. Uh, we love getting questions. Uh, and, uh, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, and thank, and thank you. This is actually, it has now been a year since we started recording yeah, these podcasts. Right. That's right, yeah. So it's in happy one year. Anniversary. Is it, <laughs> is <that> happy weird? <laughs> anniversary. Do we do we buy gifts for each other? No. No, we no. just buy gifts for Dave because he does all the work. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, true. Now I've said that on the podcast, we actually have to do it. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. That's right. Let's You've, cut committed. That. You've committed. You've <laughs> committed. Cut that. Cut that out, Dave. Yeah. Edit that out. Do more work. Edit it out. That's yeah. good. Uh, but we, we've come a long way in the first year. When we started this, our wives gave us like a three-week time span that they thought yeah. this would last over or under three weeks <laughs> <laughs> over and under three weeks we're still doing it we're well over 50 episodes now and we've been recording almost weekly for an entire year yep um and we've even joined a network of podcasts which we are proud members of which is the berean media network the bmn along with our brothers the front pew who are pastors talking, kind of showing behind the the curtain what pastors kind of deal with. Because all, all pastors are like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> They're all Gandalf. And uh, this is their... <laughs> behind the curtain. Yeah, that's good. No, they, they kind of approach it from that from that perspective, For which sure. is fantastic. Yep. Anybody can listen. I know I've had some people talk to me recently that just started listening to their podcast that aren't pastors, and they get a ton out of it every week. Yep. They come out on Mondays. Also on Mondays, we have the Layman's Cup. And... They're just a great podcast of guys just really just digging in together. Um, all laymen, like the name suggests, 
looking to seek what biblical truth is in certain topics. And they've been uh, basically di- diving off the deep end recently. It feels yeah, like a sure. lot of their topics have been a lot of heavy. their, if, if you like, if you enjoy just kind of conversational, the, like theological conversation, uh, the layman is a great podcast. Every single week that I listen to them, I feel like I wish I was right there. Cause I, I want to chime in. I want to ask questions. Like you just feel like you're there part, kind of part of the conversation. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. They're, they're good guys. Too. Yeah. I want to, I want to be one of the team. Yeah. I want to be on, I want to be, be on, on the team. I want to be on the team coach. And then, then Wednesdays is us. We bat third, which you know what they say. Usually the best hitter hits third. That's right. (laughs) Although more recently in baseball, they've moved them up to the two hole. So, well, who comes out for second? Layman or no? The layman are usually out Sunday nights. So the front pew hits second. Front pew. Too many baseball analogies. Too many. Too Too many. many. Whatever. (laughs) Doesn't matter. We hit. We go. We hit third. That's all that matters. Yeah. And then we come out on Wednesdays, and then Fridays, Thursdays, whenever the two thieves, and they have great theological topics. They often dig into just things that are sometimes even beyond my my brain and i listen and i'm just like man these guys are so smart and i love it <laughs> yeah they, they are justin Absolutely. brandon brandon's love, got a great beard love yeah he does have a great beard uh justin despite being beardless is very wise in the ways of puritan theology so and very curmudgeonly which i appreciate which i also appreciate yeah <laughs> So we are proud members of the BMN. You can uh, find the network on Facebook as well. Just like a Berean Media Network on Facebook. And you can get connected with those guys and all the great work that they're doing as well. And our memes. And the memes. Meme game is strong in the BMN. Um, let's jump into some news. Uh, there's There's been a lot going on <clears throat> recently. And so uh, here's just a couple of things that I found. <clears throat> when I was going through uh, some of the headlines here. So get this, Pootie. There is a Presbyterian elder in the Presbyterian Church of America uh, who is running to be governor of uh, Texas. And uh, so that sounds good, right? We, we, we talk on this podcast all the time that we need Christians to be infiltrating every sphere of society. We need Christian um, politicians and garbage men and um, teachers and union workers. We need Christians in every sphere. hundred percent. And so when you see that, you think, okay, that's a good thing. But here's the thing. This, this Presbyterian elder in Texas is an outspoken advocate for abortion. Are you kidding me? No, seriously. So he was quoted on uh, KST radio and he says this, this is a direct quote. I support Roe v. Wade 100%. It's the law of the land. We just celebrated the 45th year anniversary of that. I'll go one step further and say that when I'm governor, I will veto any of this legislation that's coming out that would limit a woman's right to choose. That's... And he's a Presbyterian elder? He's a Presbyterian elder. Uh, And so, I, I, I mean, a couple things here. Number one, I think the first takeaway from that is... Even among Christians, we're not thinking biblically about this issue, no. right? I mean, this shows it. This guy's an elder, and he is advocating for the destruction of babies in the womb. I always think about, every single time I think about the the topic of abortion, I think about in Genesis when uh, Cain kills Abel, and it says, when God says to Cain, he says, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And I think to myself, if the blood of one innocent man whose blood is shed cries out to God, what must he hear? You know, here we are 45 years away from 
Roe Ro v. Wade and 60 million babies have been slaughtered in the womb. Yeah. And, and, and this elder is going to jump in the political ring, not only not do anything to overturn it, but actually support legislation that um, it keeps Roe v. Wade intact, that keeps babies getting dismembered in the womb. Yeah, it, it, it boggles my mind that he can't, that he, that he's separated God's word from his culture around him. And he's, and he's not seeing that. And then I think of like the fact that, well, they would have baby baptisms. They would have baby dedications, whatever they would be doing at that particular church. And he's as an elder, he's probably partaking in that. And yet he's advocating for the slaughter of these children. uh, Literally a baby that they are baptizing into the community of believers he would advocate that three weeks earlier they could have collapsed the head in the womb. Yeah. Right. And now I don't know. I don't know in Texas. I know in Canada, partial birth abortions are completely legal. Like like any you can abort in Canada anytime up until the moment the baby comes out of the womb fully, not even partially. So um, so a couple questions on that. Like, number one. Um, we had Joe boot on several months ago, I guess now. And, uh, and we were talking about two kingdom theology. And I think that this is the, here is a very practical example of why two kingdom theology is so dangerous, right? The, the view that God's law is for the church and for what's sacred and has nothing to say to the secular world. Here's a man who's operating in a two kingdom mindset. There's God's law. And then there's the law of the land. And those two things are, are separate, like church and state, and, and there's no mixing and no mingling. And I would just say I, I am Kyperian in my views of this, um, where uh, I believe that God, uh, there's no molecule in the universe on which Jesus Christ does not place his finger and say, Amen. mine. <laughs> and so um, this elder is going to have to stand before God someday. And I hope he doesn't get elected. I hope he does not become the governor. And I can't believe that I'm saying that I hope this Presbyterian elder does not win that election. I, 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 I'm appalled by that. Not, not only the election, you hope that his church disciplines him. Well, okay, like, so you, you're jumping ahead of me here. But yeah, you're absolutely right. So that's my next thing is as a church, like I'm thinking as a pastor, I think I think church discipline is in order for that kind of stuff. I, th- I think this this guy is is advocating for the destruction of a million children a year. That's that's beyond just church discipline. That's reprehensible. That's 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 he's he's a murderer, right? Like that's that's essentially what's what's happening there. He's he is uh, he is. Uh, complicit in in the murder of of babies. Yeah, if I would, if me as a member of your church, if I even advocated for that, you would likely have me in your office to have a conversation in a disciplinary manner right. as a and ministry if, leader in your yeah, church. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I would just like if you posted like a pro-choice article on your Facebook page or something like that as a ministry leader in my church, absolutely, absolutely, that would be a conversation. But when you are an elder running for public office and you're advocating for abortion, I think that takes it that next step further where um, as a church, you need to condemn that and, and you need to call him to repentance publicly. Well, and, and if he doesn't, 
follow through on repenting from that. The Bible, the, like the discipline says to treat him like an unbeliever. Yeah. And so therefore the church should excommunicate him if, he, if he's not willing to turn yeah, away. Yeah, if it goes all if that. If it goes if, all, through yeah, the, it, all through the steps, yeah, which I'm assuming so. if he's that strong to be publicly yeah, putting like out, he just, would be able to and man. wanting to go through that. Yeah, it's brutal. So Yeah, that's uh, not the only thing that's going on right now, though. Yeah, yeah. What else do you, what, what do you got to add to Rebel News here? Old, old Justin Trudeau. Oh, JT. The sovereign king of Canada. JT. Is at it again. Oh, man. So what, what, what do you want to talk about? Because he does multiple things every day that I, get us agitated. I, I feel like this is like the last couple days, but by, by the time you hear this, maybe like, I don't know, a week ago or so, I can't think of the time frame. Um, uh, basically, what he said was he was speaking and somebody asked him a question. And they asked so this him, is in the uh, the town hall meeting, yeah, right? He was going around. All he's basically traveling Canada yeah, uh, and allowing open questions. So he's in he's in okay. Edmonton, Alberta. Home of the Oilers, baby. That's your team. That's my That's team. team. So like 10 people were there. No, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was freezing cold. 10 uh, people were there. Yeah. Uh, and a, a young lady said about, asked him a question. I don't even know the question because I only know this part of it. And made a reference to mankind. And Justin stopped and corrected her and said, we don't say mankind now. We say people kind. People kind. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, that's true. That actually happened. He decided to correct somebody because we can't, we can't gender identify the entire like, populace anymore. It's people kind. They can be all different. And I'm like, it's just a statement. Nobody, how is mankind, like we're not speaking specifically to men. It's just everybody. Like it blows my mind. Okay, so there's several things that really agitate me about that. <laughs> I can see you steaming. <laughs> well, okay, so number one, um, Justin Trudeau is an idiot. That, that we can publicly that, say that. That's, that's fine. number one. No, I, I, I will say it. You I've asked him to come on the show. So. Yeah, Trudeau, if you're listening, come at me, man. Because come at me, I bro. think yeah, come at me, bro. Um, I think you are adult, and I think that um, this this fake feminism. I, I hate it. I can't stand it. So we don't say mankind because it's offensive to women. And yet you are the most aggressive pro-choice leader Canada has ever had. You advocate the destruction of women in the womb every single day. Shut up with your fake feminism. That's number one. <laughs> number two, like how holier than thou art. Like Christians always get... Um, you know, accused of being self-righteous. Like how self-righteous is it in the middle of a town hall meeting where this woman is finally face to face with the leader of her country. She, and, and, uh, I've seen the clip. She's reading her question right off a piece of paper, meaning she's come prepared. She's fine. She's got to ask her question. She's asking her question. And in the middle of this heartfelt question, he corrects her and says, we don't say that that's offensive. We say people kind. I mean, how self-righteous do you have to be in order to stop somebody and, and do that? That's reprehensible. <laughs> I, I, he's an idiot. Yeah, and so, he has terrible hair. Like, yeah, can we stop the Justin Trudeau has a good hair thing? Yeah. Um, Sorry. Okay, so here's, and here's the last thing. The other thing that I hate about that is that Trudeau, when I say you're an idiot, you're adult, I, I actually mean that because the etymology of the word mankind has nothing to do with being gender specific. In fact, mankind is actually gender neutral. Um, it, the, the, term was, uh, the, the term was coined uh, centuries ago, and in Old English, men weren't called men. 
Males were called Wormen, W-E-R-M-A-N, and females were called Wifeman, W-Y-F-M-A-N. So the man is actually the gender-neutral part of the thing. And so when mankind was was uh, invented as a saying, man was the ending suffix um, of of both the male and the female words. So I, I, I get that not everybody cares as much about the etymology of words as me because I'm an English guy, but just know your history. So people kind isn't actually a word. Mankind is the gender neutral word that was created to encompass both man, men and women. So Trudeau, stop being an idiot. <laughs> I know that's hard for you, but stop. Yeah. Ah. Oh, good talk. Can we move on? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, hit, yeah, sorry. yeah. <laughs> I didn't expect you to get that <laughs> sorry, fired sorry, up. <laughs> sorry. Okay. But you actually, you might get fired up actually, about this one as well. Davey just reminded me. Um, he actually, Trudeau actually came out. Sorry, I'm going back to Trudeau. Yeah. He actually came out and said he was joking yeah, after yeah, this. Yeah. Apparently he got pulled up on it, obviously, because yeah. people are starting to catch him in all these stupid things and pointing it out. Yeah. So he, get, he got pulled up on it. And he said, oh, I was joking. Everybody in Edmonton got the joke. You guys just didn't. So he didn't even have the courage of his own convictions to, like, fight that battle. Like, if he was trying to make a, a political statement and say, no, no, this is how we going to be, at least if he fought it, I could argue his point and be like, you're dumb, you're stupid, you're adult, and fight the point. Right. But he backed down, so he's a, he's a wuss, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't, like, so. Yeah. Spineless. Uh, spineless. He is spineless. Terrible heritage. Oh, Okay. You're really on his hair today. I, you know, what? it's because it's because I I feel like he only got elected because, like, I feel He's like soccer moms guy. like yeah. the right. way he looks. Yeah, that's the only reason I think he got elected. Because I can't. No, it's his I, name too, right? Like Trudeau, right, Trudeau. the legacy like, of his name in but. Canada. That's like Kennedy, right? right. Like yeah, it's yeah, the same thing. Yeah. So, um, okay, so here's another one. Uh, well, I, I, we'll jump out of uh, Rebel News after this. But one more thing that I did want to make sure we hit on was um, so. Uh, doctors in the Netherlands have now approved um, this 29-year-old girl named Aurelia Browers. Um, they've approved her euthanasia request. So um, euthanasia obviously is something that uh, Christians have been fighting. And, and, it, and we say it because we, we believe in the sanctity of life, right? And so there's a difference between uh, refusing treatment or, or deciding not to be kept alive and the the actual taking of someone's life like euthanasia assisted suicide essentially and so um but but when euthanasia laws got passed in canada and they started off in the uk and and throughout europe um it was always said like these are you know four people with painful terminal diseases who we ought not to say to them no 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 you know living out the next seven years of, of a slow painful death you know, is, is what you have to do. And so ending their life early to, to, that's how euthanasia laws crept in. And it felt like to the general populace that to say no to that would be unloving, would be unkind, right? But we always said there's a slippery slope here because the language was always quality of life. Well, what constitutes quality of life? That's such a subjective phrase. Well, here's this girl, 29 years old, Aurelia is her name in the Netherlands, and she was completely physically fit. She has no debilitating diseases, nothing that's going to end her life prematurely. She, but she suffers from debilitating depression. So she, so, so this is a, a euthanasia request that has been approved for mental illness. Unbelievable. 
And that's the slippery slope that we were talking about. And so now it's now both in the Netherlands and in Belgium. Those are the two countries that have now um, set the precedent that they will approve euthanasia requests for the mentally ill. And I think that's that's awful, you know, because now how can you who have just subjectively said that this girl's depression is worthy of having her request approved, how do you now say subjectively again that somebody else's request to, to die prematurely isn't? Well, her depression was worse than yours. We know in our culture you won't say that. So now essentially anybody in the, in the fit of a depression can ask to be killed and, and the state will help them do that. So- yeah, that's basically the state will help murder you if you're having a bad day. Basically. Well, and that's and that's my point is that like, wh- who are you to say that this 29 year old girl who suffers from depression is any lat or any more in pain than the 18 year old who just got dumped by his girlfriend, right? Who who has a couple of bad years and is depressed because of the circumstances, not because of just mental illness, but because of the circumstances, how can you now navigate the, the subjectivity of, of what you've just opened the door to? It's, yeah. it's, it's brutal. Yeah, it's, unbel- it's unbelievable. It, it's, I find, I find that subject so infuriating because, well, two reasons. One, because I find it like, I find it offensive to, to God, basically like he created totally. life. Totally. How can you say, when my life is over and when your life is over. But I find it just historically and and globally just very offensive that our Western culture can think my quality of life has suffered, so I needed to end right. it. When yep. there are people in this world who will do would do anything, anything to have their loved ones back who are taking from them or taking from yeah. them in a war, who have been driven out of their homes yeah. and killed, who would say even if they came back and had no quality of life, we just want them back. And they would love to be here with us so they could see us right. grow, yet whatever the circumstances. And then we have these arrogant, pompous, well, entitled yeah. people who think, I, I don't like the way my life is going, so I'm going to end it. And I, ha- I should have the right to do that. Come on. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think you brought up a point that I hadn't even thought of, and that is, you know, the first world problems, right? You do that hashtag first world problems. Netherlands is consistently voted in the top like five countries in the world to live in, right? Canada is also in that top five. America, not so much. So, you Sorry know, that eat, eat that BMN. <laughs> but, uh, but, and so you have this this woman, and, and I'm not I'm not in any way downplaying um, mental illness. Like I, I I I get that this isn't just her, you know, having you know a bad day. But what I'm saying is that there are millions, probably billions of people around the world who are living in third world countries who would kill to switch lives with those who are, you know, mentally ill in some of these other countries. Because the truth is, in the Netherlands, you're not wondering whether or not ISIS is going to break through your front door and um, steal your children and raise them as soldiers, right? let's let's just be real and so there are plenty of people who would trade lives with you and and now we are in like you said in our arrogance thinking this isn't good enough i, I you know i want to die 
And that's what you're opening the door for. And so I'm I'm not saying that all mentally ill people are just, you know, having bad days. But what I'm saying is that that's what you're opening the door to because because subjectivity does not allow um, the the kind of uh, discernment that you need in order to to sort through what what's different here. Yeah. Just before we go to break, I'm, I'm reminded of something your wife has up in your house that I read every time I come over to your house and I but. I've never I've never linked it to this before, but I'm I'm gonna do it now. Is that it's a phrase I might I might misquote it slightly, but it says there are people in the world praying for the things that you take for granted. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. so think of think of that from yeah. our culture. And if anybody's listening who would say, Why well, I think people should have the right to euthanize or whatever, think of that. There are people in this world who are praying for the things that we take for absolutely granted. for granted. Totally. Right now. Yeah. And absolutely. then we are arrogant enough to say we should just be able to end it. Yeah. let's take a break before we get depressed yeah yeah no let's take a break so that's rebel news that's what's going on in the world today if you have uh if you have uh subjects or issues that you want us to cover in rebel news uh shoot those to us as well sometimes we ask for theological uh questions and we love answering those as well but if you have uh, certain topics or certain things going on in the world that you'd love our thoughts on shoot them to us and we'll include them in the next rebel news let's take a short break and we'll be back right after this Welcome back. So today we're talking about something we we actually privately make fun of quite often. And this it's I don't true. know it's I don't, true. I don't know if people are going to be happy about this, but we we kind of make fun of this idea. This idea that the church I, I never hear this in anywhere else but the church. This idea of burnout. Yeah. That I can be burnt out on just ministry in general. Right. In my life. I'm yep. just burnt out, man. I'm just toasted. <laughs> the, the, yeah. and so we make fun of the fact that to, to put it bluntly, both of us don't think this is real. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, um, <laughs> what, what I, I what don't I want to say by this is, is, um, we see this with pastors a lot. We see this with, with ministry leaders a lot where, um, they feel overwhelmed by ministry or people or, you know, volunteering or whatever the case may be. And so 
they they say that they're suffering from this this idea this this they're suffering from burnout whatever the case may be they're feeling overwhelmed whatever language they use to describe it but the um solution is withdraw from it all right and and i think that that's where there's a huge mistake so you and heather were were here last week and you guys uh chatted about serving in the church and you talked about balancing you know work working full-time i mean you guys are, are ministry leaders and involved in various ministries um and not getting paid for it right you guys are you guys work at nine to five and you uh are involved in various ministries and so you guys talked about the the difficulty there and and all that kind of stuff you're you're smirking at me so i feel like you have something funny to say yeah about that right? <laughs> <laughs> about that i'll give you 200 raise i'll give you 200 raise 200 that's yeah. solid um but uh and so uh what what I what I mean by there's no such thing as burnout is simply that I don't think that I think as Christians we are called by God to use the gifts that we've been given in order to serve the church. And I think that um, there's there's no time when the solution to whatever is ailing us is to be disobedient to God. And so if that's what we're commanded to do, that's what we're called to do, then it's never the right solution to just withdraw from it all. It's not. So there is such a thing as overexerting yourself. There is such a thing as getting involved in too many things. Um, but I think that burnout isn't necessarily a, a real thing. And I think that, um, you know, for those who might be listening to this, who maybe got burnt out, felt burnt out, all that kind of stuff, I would just say there, there are a couple of, um, I think, uh, indicators maybe, uh, that, uh, or, or maybe some, some checks to, to kind of look at in order to say, you know, it, is what I'm experiencing real and valid and are my solutions right? Yeah. I, I would, I would think it's important to point out the difference between like just needing rest because you're just physically tired right. versus the the mental strain that people describe burnout as with where it's like I I can no longer do what I'm doing because I don't care to do any of these things and that's where I think you cross into that dangerous line where we would use the, like people would use the term burnt out and we expect that to be like oh okay he's burnt out he's free to go right and live however he's going to be until he's recharged which I would I would say is actually just disobedience, right? Um, and, and as opposed so, to just I need a Sabbath. So that's just okay. So yeah, and and I think that there is I think that one of the things that burnout is. So we know, for example, that the the Israelites had to go into exile for seventy years in Babylon as a result of not obeying Sabbath laws concerning the land. So they didn't let the the land uh, rest on the seventh year. They still planted crops. And that was one of the things that God says, because you did that, you'll be in exile for 70 years. So I just say that to say that I think that what we conceive as, as burnout, right? And whatever mental exhaustion and, and quite honestly, I think guilt and shame is mixed in with that because I think that a lot of that comes from not obeying kind of Sabbath, um, lifestyle flow whatever you want to say not living a life with sabbath rest infused into it I, so i think that's that's part of what we're talking about here um and then um what was the other thing you said because I, I forget now oh yeah okay and the other thing is so this actually manifests itself in a couple of ways right so 
There's the pastor who feels burnt out and needs a sabbatical or steps away from ministry or whatever. There's the ministry leader who kind of abandons his post and steps away. Um, but I think there are other ways that this manifests itself that some of our listeners might, you know, identify that, oh, you know, that I did that, right? And I think one of the ways is, um, you know, there's a tendency, and this is one of the reasons that megachurches become bigger megachurches, because in a small church, there's more reliance on each individual to kind of pull their weight, right? Because they can't hire the secondary pastor, or they can't hire, you know, a staff member for that. And I think that one of the ways this manifests itself is that people get tired of serving in a church like that, where, where their involvement is necessary. And so they move to a church where they don't have to serve. They move to a bigger church where there's a staff member who does that. They move to a, another church. We, um, yeah, without naming, without naming names, we have a couple of those churches who, who literally their ministry model is to kind of plant themselves in a church where there's a bunch of other, uh, a city where there's a bunch of other churches and kind of pull all of the um, productive members of those churches into, you know, what they do. And I think that one of the ways that we experience burnout, we might not use that language, is moving to a church where we can disappear, disappear into the pews. And we just leave a church rather than stepping away from ministry because we're so scared of stepping away. So I think that's one of the ways that it manifests itself. So um, let's just kind of talk through maybe some of the symptoms or some of the, what we would say is some of what's going on in our hearts that causes what people generally call burnout. Yeah, I would say these, I would say there's a couple of things that are the, the like not the symptoms, but the, like the, the root causes of why people feel this thing called burnout. And I loved your point about moving to these mega churches where you don't experience this because they generally have a staff member to do everything. They've employed somebody right. who's going to run the right. children's ministry, the worship ministry, the projection ministry, all of the little ministries that at a, at a normal size or a small church, we have volunteers who are working full time doing these things. Yeah. Whereas the mega church, that's their only job. Right. And then so you get this idea where nobody seems burnt out because that's the only thing they have to do this week. Right. And, and just to tell our listeners why this is such a big deal, like, Chris and I, it's not just because we, we are from a small church, right? It's not that, that's not why we're harping on this point. Um, we're harping on this point because First Peter 4, uh, starting at verse 9, it says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And, and he goes on to give some examples there. But what Peter is saying is essentially that God... Get one of the ways that he dispenses his grace to his people is through other people. And so he give, he he gives you a gift. He equips you with particular gifts and talents, certain aspects of his grace that he's given to you that he hasn't given to me. And so if I'm doing in the church the things and I'm operating within gifts that he has not given to me, right? If I'm doing everything as the pastor and you're not stepping up and you're not serving, then part of God's grace that he's given to you for me and for the rest of our church is not getting distributed. And so the church only functions if everybody is serving and using their gifts. And so this is why in the New Testament, the analogy that's being used is either um, bricks or stones within a building, right? You can't take one of those out without compromising the integrity or even more prevalent is the body analogy, right? Your body can't function without a pinky. Your body can't function as well without a, a, a little toe or an ear or a nose or an eye. And we're not all eyes and we're not all ears, 
but all those things are necessary for the body to function together. And so who, if you're listening to this, wherever you're going to church, whatever you're doing, if you are not involved, then you are denying the church. And I mean that in the large sense, the body of Christ around the world, you are denying the church part of God's grace that he's given to you for others. So that's why this is a big deal. Yeah, so, so when we experience burnout and we feel like we need to withdraw from ministry or whatever, then we are actually withdrawing and taking our gift back from the church. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I love the way that, that ties in perfectly to what I think is the first symptom of this. Yeah, go for it. Um, the first symptom I, we talked about before, I think people experience burnout because they stop relying on God's power. Right. They start relying on their own abilities to do the yep, ministry absolutely. that they are that they're called to in their church. They yep. those things, those things that we are each uniquely designed to fulfill in our body of of, of the, the church, we start relying on our own strength to fulfill those things. Right. And then that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, absolutely. I think um I think you're absolutely right. And I think that, you know, your your like there are people who are talented, right? There are people who are skilled skilled at music, skilled at IT, skilled at conversations, skilled with people. And there's a way to rely on your giftedness um, that doesn't access any of God's grace, right? And so your talentedness, your giftedness can get you to a place where you can't be sustained because you're not relying on God. And so, and, and you see this happen with pastors all a lot. They're, they're, they're eloquent, right? They're, they're inspirational, they're charismatic. And so they, they speak and they're compelling. And so people start coming to the church and then the churches end up imploding because the, the pastor doesn't have the character to sustain where his giftedness got him um, because he's not actually relying on God. And I think that that's a really dangerous place to be. Yeah, and, and, and this can be in any in any ministry, totally. you can see this. I remember you said one time, um, you you pointed out that your natural your natural state is not the charismatic type preacher, definitely and not. I don't mean charismatic <laughs> in terms of like the gifts. I mean in terms of like your personality, and right? No, your definitely articulation not. and stuff like that. But that's not your natural no inclination. Your natural inclination is to be quiet, to be reserved, reserved. Yeah. But you get on stage, and God uses that platform because He's called you to be there. And you become you almost not a different person, but almost. Yeah. No, no. Like, it's actually just as a side note. I've um, one of the things that's helped me in ministry is the recognition that people are generally let down by me in real life. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't say that being self-deprecating. I say that to say I'm not I'm not the kind of dynamic people guy that people think that I am when they see me speaking on stage. Because I'm, I'm kind of a letdown in person because I, I am an introvert. I, I, I'm not, you know, overly social. I'm not, I'm not much of a people person. I'm not good in a crowd, um, but I'm good in front of a crowd somehow. And so that's just one of the ways that God's gifted me. So, yeah, gen generally people are gen pretty much let down by, by me when they talk to me in person. But, you know, the recognition of that, the recognition of how God has and hasn't gifted me is, has served me well. Yeah, it's funny because it's I always think of the, the analogy... I'm like, you're better at talking to all of us than one of us. Like yes. you're, you're much more comfortable talking <laughs> to everybody same. than one of us, yeah. even though I think you're good at both, but we're not here to celebrate Nate. You <laughs> <laughs> just don't. No, that, but that's, that's a, yeah, yeah. like a really yeah. good idea. Like you can, you can see when you're operating your gifts, when, when right. you do have to rely on God every single moment yes, to absolutely. fulfill these things. You said another thing, not to keep saying things you said earlier, but 
Um, well, I guess hopefully they're biblical. So. <laughs> I guess that's what happens when you're my pastor, right? Um, a couple of years ago, remember we had the sermon. We had a sermon series where it was just like, let's let's stop being a church that just can pull off what we can pull off because we have talented people. Yeah, that's and right. our church, our church for the size of we have yeah. crazy amounts of talented people. Yeah, we do. We have great people. We have unbelievable people, and I think a lot of the stereotypes don't actually apply to yeah. our church generally, but. There are we st- because we have so many talent, talented people. We still have a lot of people who are just wickedly good, like abilities. We have yeah. tons of them, and we can yeah. we can pull off great things. Yeah, with just our own yeah. strengths. And, and I remember, and it's easy for us. Yeah, I, sorry to, to no, cut no, you no, off, no, but no. I, I remember saying that now. And I, you know, it got to the point where year after year we could get to an annual meeting and we could look at the great things that our church did, but all of it could be explained by our people. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it, it seemed as though there was, there was less, I'll say, I won't say nothing or, or very little, but there was less happening that we could point at and say that had to have been God. Yeah. Um, because we were relying on our, our talents, our abilities, our giftedness. We weren't relying on the Holy spirit to strengthen us and to, to breathe life into the things that, that we'd be lost <laughs> in the middle of if he didn't show up. Yeah, sometimes you want to be in the in a going into a ministry with the whole mindset of like, there is no possible way I can pull this off. Right? If God doesn't show up, if God doesn't show up, I am going to crash and burn. Yeah, like Jonah Styles, it's going to be terrible. Yeah. So that's that's the first thing. Yeah, that's the first point. Yeah. So so rely on the Holy. If 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 what you're doing in ministry does not rely on the Holy Spirit inside of you at all. Right. If it's if it's just has to do with your your giftedness, then you are going to burn out because your abilities cannot sustain the kind of ministry that God wants to do in his church. Perfect. I think I, second thing that can lead to burnout is when we start when we start uh, just basically giving into our sin. And what I mean by that is yeah. not we have a tendency to want to be the king of our own lives yeah. to not to use the Christianese, to not put Jesus on the throne of our lives. We are naturally lazy. We are naturally want to be served, not to serve. We want to get our own way. And serving people in ministries, because even if you're leading the ministry, leadership is service. Yeah. It does go against our sinful natures. And yeah, it takes practice sure. and it takes sanctification so to speak, not so to speak, exactly sanctification to come overcome that and get joy out of doing these things. Sometimes burnout comes because we just get sick of doing that. Yeah. We give into the whole. My time is my my own. Um, Yeah. I think it's interesting, right? That, um, you know, the Bible is full of warnings, right? Count the cost before you become a disciple, right? Don't, don't come to me if, if uh, you don't, love me more than your brother and your sister and your mother and your father, right? Don't, don't come to me if you have to go and bury your father, let the dead bury their own dead, right? Um, you know, nobody, Jesus says, nobody, uh, starts doing something without counting the cost of what it's going to take to, to complete it. And so there, there are all kinds of these warnings in scripture. And yet so, so often you're right, is that burnout just leads to the point where we just get tired of serving others. We just get tired of of doing things for other people because we we want things the way we want them. We want our time to be our own. We want our lives to be about us. We don't want to make known the greatness of God. We want to make known our own greatness, right? We don't want to build the kingdom. We want to build our own kingdom. Yeah. And and so eventually when we when we allow 
Um, and, and I think some, sometimes this happens in, you know, I don't want to pretend like burnout never, you know, that, that there's not genuine tiredness that, that sometimes leads to burnout. So I want to be careful here because I think that sometimes what happens is people genuinely get so busy with ministry that they ne- neglect feeding their own souls. And so what happens when we stop, you know, looking at and seeing the glory of God, we see the glory of ourselves. That's what happens. And so when God's glory isn't in front of us, then our own glory manifests, uh, you know, in our own minds. And then we begin to get selfish and, and wondering, and that's when we start looking around, right? And we start saying, does nobody notice how great I am? Does nobody notice all the things that I'm doing? Does nobody notice this? Well, then I'm just going to withdraw. Or like, you know, why is it that I'm I'm out serving at the church three nights a week and that person's not doing anything? Like, you know what? Mm. Screw this, you know? And, and that's when we get that. It, it's the entitlement. It's the me first. It's the I'm going to put myself in the center role of my own life. And, and it happens because we allow sin in. Yeah, and you can start seeing this creep in your life. And I know I've I've had times where I've had to combat this in my yeah. own life. Yeah, where me I'm, too, absolutely. Where, where you start doing that thing, you start comparing yourself to the other people serving. Be like, well, I'm in three ministries and I was at the church yeah. doing X, Y, and Z four nights this week where that person only comes out once. Yeah. They could do this other ministry right. because they have the time I don't. Yeah. And then that's, the, that's one of the first steps. Second step is when you start to feel... Why am I not getting a thank you for every little thing I'm doing in the church? Why yeah. is why is Pastor Nate not coming up to me and saying I'm a, you're you're appreciated, which is an important thing. I think pastors should appreciate their yep. their staff, but yep, we sure. are not serving our pastor, we are serving God. Mm. And we don't necessarily we shouldn't be expecting a thank you for everything we do in the church. Right. Like we like it's it's good if you get one, but it's not that's not why you're doing it. You're not doing it for man's man's praise. And once you start seeing those things, I think it's I think before you get to the point where you start burning out, you need to stop and you need to start reor reprioritizing what you're doing these ministries for. Yeah. That these ministries, the services worship. You're doing these to worship the Lord, to praise Him, to build His kingdom. Because you're right. If you're thinking those things, you're like you said earlier. You're building your own reputation. You're you're glorifying yourself, not God. Yeah, one of the other sins that I think manifests itself that causes that leads to this this thing we call burnout is the the sinful thought that you're indispensable, <laughs> right? It, and and so I think one of the ways is we can begin to overexert ourselves legitimately because we feel like if I don't do that thing as well, then it won't get done well or if I don't do that thing, then it, it won't ha- it, it won't get pulled off because if I'm not involved, it's not going to work out because I'm indispensable. And I think that just flies in the face of, the, you know, the, the, the consistent biblical narrative, right? God called Abraham, who was a coward and kept on saying, she's not my wife. She's my sister. Why don't you take her? Right. Like <laughs> God, God called Jacob, right? The deceiver. Um, right. God called David a man after his own heart, an adulterer and a murderer. Right. God can God called Moses to be his mouthpiece despite his stutter. Right. Consistently, God uses flawed, sinful people. And right. Gideon. Right. Get rid of all those people. If, if you go to war with that many people, somebody somewhere might think that you did it yourself. It's not you didn't do it. I did it. And I want to make sure that I get the glory for that. That's the God that we serve. He's, he's the God who says, I'm God and there is no other. There's none like me. And so, 
you can't start thinking that you're indispensable because the consistent narrative of the Bible, the consistent story is that God chooses people who can't do it on their own and need him to do it for them if anything is going to happen. And so you're not indispensable because God, God used a donkey to, to rebuke Balaam, right? God, um, God used 300 soldiers. God used a little shepherd boy to shame Israel because he was the one who, who went up against Goliath. So, so God is in the business of making sure that nobody else thinks you're indispensable. So if you start thinking you're indispensable, you're setting yourself up to be humbled by God because pride comes before destruction. Yeah, exactly. Jesus used 12 disciples who had all crashed out of rabbi school. These were not yep. successful people. No. They were not thought to be well-educated men nope and he used those men to change the world the, right. w- the world because it's his power not yeah. theirs amen amen yeah absolutely and i think that just kind of leads into i think we already touched on a few things that were in our last point but i think that last point is is one of the other things that leads to burnout is um the the fear of man instead of the fear of god right is is and you said this is like who are you doing this for and I think that sometimes we end up saying yes to too many things because we want to be a people pleaser, right? Sometimes we begin to involve ourselves in too many things because we think that somebody will notice that and, and offer me a more prominent position or somebody will give me that thank you or whatever the case may be. And so we're not playing for an audience of one where Jesus says, you know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. But we, we are more like the Pharisees who want to put all of our service for the Lord on display and blow a trumpet every time we're, we're you know, sacrificing for the church so that we get the praise of man because the, the uh, obedience to God isn't enough for us. Yeah, exactly. You, this, this, like we, we said this last week, Heather and I, this isn't a checklist. Like there isn't yeah, like, that, it was there a isn't good, this, that's good. It was a great point. These five points, you, be, you check, check, check. Now I can become an elder. Now I can be do, do this. The Bible actually says few should, few should att- try to attain right. these things. Right. Um, and I think that's important. Like don't seek status. Like don't be in ministry to get status. Don't become a worship leader so you can be celebrated on stage. Don't become anything in the church, the children's ministry, the nursery ministry, doesn't whatever ministry you're involved in, don't do it just to get yourself yeah. another check or another build up. Serve because you generally want and feel called to this ministry. Right. So here's just a couple of application points, I think. Um, how are we doing for time? Okay. So here's just a couple of ap- application points um, because like I said, you know, we've dealt with all the kind of negative side of things and, and you, you might be sitting there and you might be in a, a season of break in ministry. I know pastors get sabbaticals. I've never had one, so I don't know what they're like, but, um, the, the, I don't, I don't even think pastors should be getting sabbaticals because they're peopled out or because they're, they're sick of serving. That, that is so counterintuitive to me. Like in all honesty, and I just go on a side note here, it bugs me when pastors talk about how hard ministry is. It really does. Ministry can be hard. It can be discouraging. I'm not saying that it isn't, but I don't come home physically exhausted, right? Some people are, are out doing construction jobs and they are physically exhausted when they get home. I get home mentally exhausted, but I mean, I'm meeting with people. I, I spend time in coffee shops, you know, as part of my job and having coffee with people. And, and I get some of those people are needy and some of those people are, yeah, but being a pastor is a privilege, right? We, we actually get, based on the obedience and generosity of other people, we get to be funded to study God's word and serve God full time. And that's a privilege. And so we shouldn't be looking for a break from that. I mean, a, a sabbatical that's for a study 
you know, a study sabbatical, that's, that's legit. But, um, that's yeah. just, that's ministry isn't hard, but there's hard things in ministry. Yeah. And so, um, but I say all that to say there might be some people who are listening who are legitimately in a season where they're feeling burnt out. And I don't want you to just feel like we, we pounded on you because here's the thing, what, what you might feel like is being burnt out, I think is, is you maybe just not doing a few very practical things. So let me, let me give you some practical application here. Number one, maybe it is a, a sin issue. So address your sin right? Address your feeling of that you're indispensable. Address the feeling that where you are um, more fearful of man than you are of God. Address whatever sin it is that may have led you to where you are. And if that's the case, then address your sin. Second point of application is just know when to say no, right? There are legitimate times in your life when you have to say no to things. And and this is, you know, um, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't be that, that person who has to swear on heaven and earth and all this kind of stuff. And, and I think he says that because he recognizes our, our, our sinful um, tendency to, you know, want to please people. And just say yes to the things you can say yes to and say no to the things you, you can say no to. Don't say yes and then not do something. You don't say yes and then back out of things. Just, you know, know when to say no. But say yes when you can. And, and I think that's, that's good application for anybody. The other thing I would say is, is uh, again, remember that you're not irreplaceable. So if you're serving in, in three or four ministries and you're feeling stretched thin, you're not irreplaceable. If you step out of one of those ministries so you can focus on the other ministries uh, more intentionally, God will fill that other office. And that kind of goes with my other point of application. And that is serve in areas that you're passionate about. You know, there, there are, especially in a small church like ours, trust me, we, we need people to serve the coffee. We need people to, to advance PowerPoint slides. We need those people as well. And I don't know how many people, we actually have a few in our church and I'm so thankful for them who are passionate about advancing PowerPoint slides <laughs> on a Sunday morning. Hey, great. That's awesome. Um, but, uh, but serve in areas that you're passionate about and don't just say yes to five different ministries. Do the three that you're passionate about. Do the two that you're passionate about. Do the one that you're passionate about if, if, if that's what your time allows. But do the things that, are passionate about, uh, that you're passionate about and know that you're not irreplaceable. And, and then don't break promises. So one of the ways that we start to feel burnt out is when we aren't doing something well. And we start making promises. I'll have that done. I'll do this. I'll do that. When we start breaking promises, we get stressed out and, and the shame and the guilt associated with us continually breaking promises causes some mental anguish that then we, we say is burnout. And I think that, I think that um, if we do what we can as much as we can, but not more than we can, and we don't break promises and we let our yes be yes and our no be no, then will we serve and, and we serve in areas that we're passionate about then suddenly that's what service, that's what joy and service can, can begin to look like. So I think those are just a couple of uh, application points um, that, uh, that might help those who are feeling a little burnt out or, or feeling a little, we'll say overwhelmed. Yeah. I think, I think a really good check to yourself in terms of like, are you, are you thinking of yourself as indispensable? Um, somebody challenged me one time to always be looking for my own replacement. Yeah. Oh, like when the you're leading, right? exactly. When you're totally. leading a ministry, Always be thinking what happens 
if I left this ministry now, you should be building up that person who's going to replace you. Yeah. Because the the good news is there's always something else to do. So God can move you into something else yeah. that you can serve that. And as you build more people, it just helps the kingdom grow. And yeah. last last point as we leave, a bit of a funny one. Did you make that point about promises because I'm late on my annual report? <laughs> no, 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 I didn't. Yeah, sorry but about you that, probably buddy. Get that in. You should probably get that in. <laughs> Hopefully by the time this airs, you will have got it in. Well, I won't promise that I'll have it done tonight. Guys, I hope that was helpful. Yep. And we'll see you next week. And we hope you're all serving in your churches because um, it uh, the, the kingdom grows when we're when we're all serving God together. 100. I'm I'm excited about what we have coming for them over the next couple of weeks. I don't want to spoil it now, but yeah. it's going to be good. Yeah. Tune, Tune back in, in to the Rebels. Uh, there's some there's some good stuff coming up. Take care. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.